0: open in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to just jump up and grab one over in the foyer at the moment. Um, That will be good. Uh, Verse 12 is a bit of a doozy, isn't it, hey? As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. So as an ex-PDHP teacher, I thought I'd start with this and I brought some diagrams along. (laughs) No, just kidding. Not going to do that. We'll get to that verse later on. Um, So in front of you, I'd love to have you a little outline there um, and uh, you can uh, follow along there write some things down. I'll give you a few lists later on. If you're a list type person then there's plenty coming in point two. Point one's pretty long, point two or three are pretty short. All right and we'll have a a Q&A at the end too if you've got any questions or comments. Let's pray shall we? Father thank you for today. Thank you Lord that this is the day you've made. And um, Lord, we pray that uh, as we hear your word, we would respond in trust and obedience to what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. And welcome to, if you're watching at home, uh, camera's working up there. I, um, I used to enjoy running. It's a bit of past tense, actually, I'm sorry to say. I've got a bit of an injury from skateboarding, and uh, I haven't been a run for a while. True. True. Um, but I used to be quite good at it. I was quite fast but I was also quite good at l- even the longer distances when I was a little bit younger. In high school for years my eldest brother um, Marty, he, uh, he held the school cross country record and uh, it was done in PE classes so year nine uh, they would take you out of that normal routine and it was quite a big deal in the school I went to. My brother he's my oldest brother, well actually both my brothers he, they're, they're tall and thin and look like cross-country runners. Um, I'm not. Uh, And that's okay. I've I've moved on from that. Um, (laughs) However, when it came to having a crack at this record, I I was very, very keen. Very keen. It was a beautiful day, not unlike today. Excellent conditions for running. This was my shot at it. You get really one shot at it this cross-country day. And if you get your, like, Marty was the record keeper for for five years, my shot. Well, I like to think that Marty was nervous that morning as I went off to school and he went off to to uni. I think, well, I hope he, he acted as if he didn't care, but I know he cared (laughs) deep down. He felt threatened, his record. Well, I, I, I ran the course as fast as I could. I gave it absolutely everything. The the motivation to beat your eldest brother is very strong, isn't it? Any um, younger brother would understand that. Well, I'm not sure of the exact time, but I missed out. I missed it. Marty's time was faster than mine by three seconds. (laughs) Three seconds. 30 years later, I'm still torn up. <laughs> <laughs> I think probably I should move on, don't you think? Probably about, It's about time. It's actually 32 years. I think I was 15 at the time. Well, in Galatians 5, verse 7, you've got your Bibles there. And not for the first time, Paul speaks of the Christian life as a race. He says, you are running a good race. He writes to the Galatian church, who cut in on you and, and to keep you from obeying the truth. The Galatians had started off so well in their Christian lives. They are bursting out of the blocks, to uh, use a different athletics analogy. But they were not persevering to the end. Uh, Someone had cut in on them, and that had affected their race, their running. The author of Hebrews uh, also compares the Christian life to a race. He urges readers to run with endurance the race marked out for us, as Hebrews 12, verse 1. And the author of Hebrews also notes that, that we throw off everything... Uh, including sin, that can hinder us from finishing the race. He says, throw off everything that can hinder you from finishing the race, including sin. Now, what else? What else can hinder us from finishing the race, from running well, from enduring? Well, the answer in Galatians 5 is a type of teaching, uh, a teaching that is false. The Galatians were struggling to keep going in the Christian life. Now they've started it. Now, what was behind this struggle was their failure to understand Christian freedom, gospel freedom. They were not living as freed captives, they were living as slaves. Now, why did this happen? Well, because they were listening to people who were not teaching the truth about Jesus. Those gospel plus Judaizers we've been talking about over the last, what is it, seven weeks now. So today, as we focus on Galatians 5, and we're really just going to focus on chapter 5 verses 1 to 15, let's look at this freedom. Let's, let's consider this freedom that Jesus has, has bought us. And as you can see in your outline there, I do hope you've got it in front of you, you can jot some notes down and so on. We notice there are three instructions for running in the freedom of the gospel, three instructions that will help us finish the race uh, and finish strong. So here's the first one. Gospel freedom means live free. Galatians 5 verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Paul wants his readers, he wants this church to live free. Christ has saved them to be free and in that freedom they're called to live not to revert back to any form of slavery. For example, slavery to law-keeping as a way of being right with God. So what does it mean to be free? What does Paul mean by being, by when he says being burdened again by a yoke of slavery? I want to think about it this way. I hope this helps. To understand gospel freedom, as believers we are freed objectively and freed subjectively so freed objectively technically legally from the guilt of sin that the gavel has come down as we says the judge has pronounced us not guilty in Christ so objectively we're freed from from the consequences of sin but we struggle to be free subjectively in our daily experience from the grip of sin that that struggle and that struggle is different for everyone it's subjective my struggle against sin is different than yours but we all struggle against sin Now, objectively, we know this is true. Romans 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, uh, Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So we are set free from the penalty of sin. Justification. I'm going to do a few big Bible words today. Justification, just as if I've never sinned. We're free from the penalty of sin, We don't have to live with a sense of being unacceptable to God. Why? Because God has made us acceptable to Him by Jesus. We can rest in His perfect work performed on our behalf. Trying to earn it, pleasing God through law keeping, do it yourself religion, that's slavery all over again. Like a yoke. The, the yoke that a working animal is put, that, that's put around their neck, it's heavy, weighs them down. Think about an Australian bullock line, you know, uh, it weighs us down. That's what, that's what that slavery is all about again, trying to earn it with God. You can't earn it with God. We all sin and fall short. See, that's what the false teaching in Galatia resulted in. And it crushes people. It weighs us down. It's lifeless. It's not the gospel. There's no hope, no security. But Jesus has freed us from that. He's taken that burden off us and forgiven our sin. And so subjectively, this is the other side, right? In our own personal experience, we need to learn to live free from the power, that weight of sin. Learning to live this way is what the Bible calls sanctification. Another big word. Sanctification means just becoming more like Jesus, holy, set apart like Jesus. Here's what one one writer said. This is a great line. I love it. Sanctification is thus simply the art of getting used uh, used to justification. Read it again. Sanctification is thus simply the art of getting used to justification. Get your head around that for a minute. Take a moment. (laughs) Sanctification is thus simply the art of getting used to justification. I think it's a great line. Living as free, as a free, justified person, resting in Christ alone and all that He's done for us on the cross. You see, yes, we wrestle with tempting the tempting with things of this the tempting things of this world, and we wrestle with guilt when we slip back into law keeping as a way to make us right with God, a pleasing God. But living free means we have to keep coming back to the cross. Keep coming back to the cross. The gospel. And get used to justification. Get used to justification. Live with it. It's really good to live with. Christ has made you righteous, right with God. So do you believe? Do you believe objectively that you are free from condemnation? Remember that? Well, I've still got up there. Romans 8 verse 1. Do you believe Romans 8 verse 1? If you're a Christian person, if you put your trust in Jesus Christ... Do you believe that? Do you believe you are accepted in Christ perfectly? As Colossians 1 verse 21 says, when he looks at you, when God looks at you, he sees Jesus, he's perfect in his sight. Do you believe that? Subjectively then, are you living out that new identity and not reverting back into law keeping? Got to do this to please God. Slavery to religion. You see, objectively, the, the Galatians were not walking in this truth. They believe they needed to contribute something to their salvation, to being friends with God. They believe gospel plus something else saves. But that's no no gospel at all. Remember chapter one? In fact, as Paul said in chapter three, verse one, it's foolishness. It's foolishness to believe that. The good news is, is when you come to Jesus in faith, in trust, you stand accepted today in Christ. And nothing we can do will make us more or less accepted. By him if we are in Christ. Now that's freedom. Okay, so back to 5 verse 1. Paul says, stand firm. Stand firm in what Christ has done for us. The freedom he has won. That will be a safeguard against reverting back to slavery, to, to law keeping. But it will also be a safeguard against the danger in the opposite direction. Now, what do I mean by that? What's the opposite direction? Well, jump down to 5 verse 13. If you've got your Bibles there, 5 verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. See, some people reckon that, and perhaps these false teachers in Galatia are a bit like that, they reckon that if you teach freedom in Christ, then no one will want to serve him. Freedom in Christ means woohoo! I'm free to do whatever I want, but that's not true. Actually, the opposite happens. The opposite happens when we recognize Jesus and all that He's done for us, and when you when you when you truly know Him and in, in your heart, what what happens is that you, bit of an old fashioned word, but you adore Him. You you adore Him. You you live for Him. Going to sing a song at the end about living for Jesus. That's what you do when you recognise all that he's done. And a, an adoring heart does not lead to a sinful life, but actually it leads to a holy one, a, a one that's being more and more sanctified each day. We're actually set free to serve. I've shared this story before, um, but gee, it works well. <laughs> so I'll share it again. Uh, you might remember it from last time I shared it. I don't know when, when I did that. Um, but it, I don't know how true it is. Some of these illustrations that go around Christian circles as well, you wonder if it's really true. It um, doesn't really matter either way. Uh, the incident occurred in the American Civil War days before America's slaves were freed. This, um, a wealthy northerner went to a slave auction and purchased a, a young slave girl. And as they walked away from the auction, the man turned to the young girl and told her, You're free. Amazed, she responded, you mean I'm free to do whatever I want? He said, yes. And to say whatever I want to say? Yes, anything. And to be whoever I want to be? Yep. And even to go wherever I want to go? Yes, he answered with a smile. You're free to go wherever you like. Well, she looked at him intently and said, then I will go with you. It's a great, isn't it? It's a great. That's our response to Jesus, isn't it? Then I will go with you. I'm free. I've been set free. Then I'll go with you. One writer responded to that story by saying, Some fear that grace-delivered, blood-bought, radical freedom will result in loveless license. But as the above story illustrates, redeeming unconditional love, not fear, not guilt, not shame carries the power to compel a heartfelt loyalty to the one who bought us. That's what Jesus does in the gospel. But the Galatians, uh, they, they were not running in this truth. They were listening to a message of slavery, a gospel plus message. And so in verses 2 to 12, Paul confronts these people who are teaching lies about Jesus And again, the big problem was the belief in the necessity of circumcision uh, and or law keeping as a way to be right with God. So for Paul, circumcision sort of represented and symbolized this religion of works, human achievement instead of grace. And and human achievement religion, do-it-yourself religion, is slavery. So from these verses we'll pick out, what we'll do, we'll pick out four, you might want to scribble down your notes if you want, four results of the message of the false teachers. And you can see these, I've left a bit of a gap there in your outline, it's not a a huge gap to be totally honest, do your best. Um, So four results of the message of false teachers and then we'll find five characteristics of false messengers. So here God tells us in his word what happens when we buy into a gospel plus message. So uh, let me read to you again Galatians 5, 2 to 6. Mark my words, I, Paul, to you, that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is required to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. But by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit of righteousness the, the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So there's this false message. There's results of a four results I see here. I'm going to go pretty quickly too of this false message. Number one, verse two: If you accept this false message, then you view Christ as insufficient. He he didn't complete the job on the cross. Gospel plus religion says Jesus was sees Jesus as not doing enough. The cross is sort of halfway there. John Calvin, famous reformer, he said, um, "Whoever wants half of Christ loses the whole." Uh, two, second result of this false message, verse 3, if you accept this message, you must obey the whole law. So if you, you start with this, it, it won't end. You've got to keep doing the whole law keep adding to it, adding more and more. But the problem is none of us, we've talked about this last few weeks, none of us can keep the law. We all fall short. Third result of this false message, you can see it in verse 4, if you accept this message then you're turning away from the teaching of grace. If you believe salvation is by, law, by the law, well, you've abandoned the belief that salvation is by grace. Makes sense, doesn't it? You can't have it both ways. You can't have man-made and God-made. It's God-made. A fourth result of this false message, and we see this in verse 5, if you accept a gospel-plus message... You lose the hope of heaven, our righteousness in Christ unveiled for all to see. That's what verse 5 is referring to there. Uh, how, do we, how do we get this hope? Well, remember the old hymn? Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And then what does it go on to say? It goes on to say, all other hope is sinking sand. That real and certain hope in Jesus, that's, that keeps us running. It's a different way. we, un- we un- Like today, in today's culture, hope, as we understand that word, is a cross your fingers sort of thing, isn't it? Uh, I hope my footy team will win. I hope it's a nice day tomorrow. But that's not the hope in the Bible. The hope in the Bible is a real and certain hope. It's a confident expectation that we'll be with Jesus one day and he'll return. We eagerly await, we live for it, the day of Jesus' return, living free by faith in Christ. And notice too, do you notice the marks of a justified believer here? Pops up in Paul's letters quite a bit. Faith, hope and love. There they are. You see, works-based righteousness leads to fear. When you're doing it yourself, it leads to fear. Have I done enough? The the yoke of slavery bearing down on us. That person asks, uh, have I done it? Have I done it all? How do I know? And And it leads to despair as you can't measure up. But in Christ Jesus... Uh, the contrast is is black and white. God's grace and the finished work of Christ, faith, hope, and love. This gospel plus false message is ultimately empty. It's got nothing. <laughs> law keeping as a form of being right with God, trying to please God by law keeping, doing good stuff, and in the case of the Galatian church, um, it was circumcision. Does not accomplish anything. Paul says. What counts, and we're sort of jumping into next week, is is being a new creation, 6 verse 15. And the gospel message, you see, is not not empty, it's life-changing. We're a new creation in Christ. It leads to a new life of faith expressing itself through love. Okay, let's now get to these five characteristics then of false messengers. It's a warning not only to the church at Galatia, but also to God's church today. So here's the first one. Uh, Let me read verses um, 7 to 12. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through a whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they'd go the whole way and emasculate themselves. So false messages, characteristics of, here's the first one, verse 7. False teachers hinder obedience to the truth. That's what they do. They're like an athlete. Think of the athlete running the 800 or 400, something like that, and they get cut in on. It slows you down. It might even trip you up. You might even fall down. It disrupts. That's what false teachers do. They hinder obedience to the truth. Second characteristic of false messengers, verse 8 false teachers are not from God. They're not from God. We know that because they don't preach the gospel from God. But some of them do claim to be from God. Some claim, yes, this is a message from God, a special message from God, in fact. But you need to ask yourself when you come across such people uh, are they teaching the true gospel? Third, uh, verse nine. False teachers contaminate. It's like a yeast working through a whole batch of dough. If you've done a bit of baking, a, bit, a little bit of yeast, it works for the whole batch of dough, and the dough rises to be bread. That's what false teaching does. It infiltrates, contaminates, and works through everything. It's why Jesus warned uh, warned against the yeast of the remember the yeast of the Pharisees, the yeast of the Sadducees. False teachings, false teaching, uh, false teachers do that. They they affect people. Their assurance, lies about Jesus affects your assurance, your trust in Jesus, hope. It affects that. It affects their, their love. And no wonder Paul's angry. And so in verse ten, his false teachers will be judged. That's a fifth characteristic, or fourth character, and the final characteristic characteristics of these false messengers false teachers is verse 11 uh, false teachers persecute true teachers you see the cross of Jesus Christ offends it offends people the cross crushes human pride people would much rather you praise them and preach a works-based religion than praise God and stand up pointing people to the cross but much rather that that's about me and my achievements That's a much nicer message. And so, (laughs) Paul's angry, isn't he? And so he comes to one of his most colourful statements in verse 12. Um, See, I can never get away with saying this in church, but Paul can. I'm going to change things. No, I'm not going to, it's all right. Um, He wishes that the false teachers would keep on with the cutting and chop the whole thing off. That's my interpretation. Um, He's angry. See, the, the gospel meant everything to Paul. He cared about it deeply. He cared about people deeply. Their souls, false teachers, friends, they're not our mates. People who tell lies about Jesus are not our mates. They're not people that we just smile and say, oh, well, (laughs) that's nice, that's quaint. No, 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 no. No, they destroy churches. They destroy lives. And like Paul, we don't want them around. Okay, so we've seen... Two things God wants us to avoid when it comes to Christian freedom. We've talked a lot about legalism. That's come up a lot, hasn't it, in this this letter. Uh, Trying to earn acceptance before God by doing good things. And what I'll call license. Here's the other thing God wants us to avoid when it comes to Christian freedom. License. It's the other extreme. Uh, Misapplying grace. And so in verses 13 to 15, that license is what Paul addresses. Being free from sin's slavery means we are free to love and to serve. Uh, I want to read Galatians 5 verses 13 to uh, 15. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not, let, do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you'll be destroyed by each other. You see, friends, um, the call to freedom is actually a call to oneness. It's a call to unity in Christ, loving and serving within the believing community, uh, church. So Paul's addressing God's church in thirteen to fifteen. In those verses, he's addressing God's church in the whole letter, isn't he? Us, God's addressing us. The Galatians, we're not to be sa- We're not saved to be a group of isolated individuals. And neither are we. We were brought out of slavery, bought out of slavery in fact, uh, slavery to sin, to live in community, serving and loving one another. But the problem is, a lot of Christians follow the Australian way of life more than the Bible. Australians love individuality. uh, We love autonomy. And we love being anonymous. I see that more and more, actually. We also love leisure and doing what I want. When I want. But Christianity is about relationships. It's about living in community. Christ has saved you, freed you. Why? Let's look at verse 13. So that you can be... Well, let me read it again. Verse 13. uh, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to, to indulge the sinful nature. Rather... Serve one another in love. Christ has saved you, freed you, so that you can be so committed to each other, to others, that it looks like slavery. He uses that word serve because that's a slavery type word. That's the word that slaves had to do, they had to serve their masters. See what Paul's done? He's turned it upside down. Christ has freed you so that you can be so committed to others, it sort of looks like slavery. You love each other that much. Friends, I've said this time and time again. Do not presume you are growing when you're not in community. When you're not committed to this. Don't presume you'll grow without this. Don't be a Christian ninja. Let me explain. Um, (laughs) Nothing to do with dressing up or anything. Uh, Don't just slide in and out of church without anyone seeing you. So the Christian ninja. You Slide in, do your thing, get out of here. Don't do that. You're missing out. The Lord has saved you so that you can love and serve others so others can love and serve you. Paul adds on at the end that love does not look like biting and devouring each other. In other words, I think he's really referring to gossip and speculation, use of the, the, the tongue the mouth. Um, gossip and malicious talk. I, I like if you can picture the analogy. I think this is what Paul's going for. Uh, you, know, you, see, you see a bunch of sharks... Um, speaking of things we fear, um, from Beck before, uh, sharks or hyenas, they're having a go at a, a carcass somewhere, uh, whether it's floating whale or it's a, a, a dead, you know, some sort of animal on the wherever. Um, that sort of having a go at the dead, dead animal, um, eventually such behaviour like gossip and speculation and malicious talk, that sort of behaviour will just consume the whole thing. The carcass will be consumed. The church will be consumed. That's how, that's how dangerous uh, biting and devouring gospel and malicious talk is. Instead, and we're jumping in next week, what are we to do? Well, kindness, gentleness and goodness. Self-control. Fruits of the Spirit. Okay, let, let's, let's tie a few things together. We've read that as believers Christ has set us free. We're justified, just as if we've never seen that's that objective truth. So let's live Free, resting and rejoicing in Christ. That's that subjective, subjective experience that we can have. I love the term, get used to justification. Put on your fridge this week. Uh, <laughs> I think it's great. I hope you do, I hope you do it as well. Um, let's live in that truth, not believing the message of any gospel plus message. And so we're set free then to love and serve others. Uh, I love the, mus- uh, the, the, the movie Chariots of Fire. Um, I've seen it. I don't know, 30 times, <laughs> a lot. I could quote almost most of it. Um, if you haven't seen it, do yourself a favour. You got to go and watch it. It's made in 1994, so it's actually a bit slow moving these days. We're used to much fast moving movies, um, but I think it's great. It's a true story about Eric Liddell, the Christian missionary from Scotland, who was an Olympic runner in the in the 20s, early 20s Olympics, and um, uh, he was uh, also a winger for Scotland and rugby. Uh, there's a scene towards the end of the movie where Eric Liddell Explains to his sister, Jenny, who's also a Christian, about his desire to return to the mission field in China. Um, and that makes Jenny very, very happy. Jenny wants him to return to the mission field in China because she's been worried about all his running. And the scene is set in the, in the hills of the, the back of some Scottish uh, territory. It's very beautiful. And so after telling Jenny about his plans uh, to head back to China, well, Jenny's... Thrilled by that, but then he says, but first I have a lot of running to do. And her heart sinks just a little bit. And then this famous line, when I run, I feel his pleasure. It's a great line. When I run, I feel his pleasure. He says, God's made me fast. I can't do accents. Such a pity. Um, <laughs> thick Scottish accent. God's made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Now, look, you might not like running, um, that's okay, but I'm going to pray in a moment that you will feel the pleasure of God as you run in the freedom of the gospel. That you'll feel the pleasure of being not guilty, of overcoming the grip of sin, of not being enslaved to legalism that you'd feel the pleasure of living by the Spirit, that you'd feel the pleasure of having access to God, of being accepted by God, that you'd feel the pleasure of having a secure future with God and that you'd feel the pleasure of loving and serving one another and loving your neighbour as yourself. Uh, You're free to run and don't let anyone cut in on you. (laughs) How about I pray? Father we thank you for uh, the, the greatest message of all the message of the gospel the freedom we have in Christ the freedom you've won for us by Jesus death on the cross Lord help us to run free uh, Lord help us to, to get used to justification and keep coming back to the cross Lord we thank you for your kindness to us um, Lord we pray that as, our, as a community here That would indeed, our faith would express itself through love. Help us with that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.